Hello, and welcome to episode one of Canadian Crimes. Today we're going to be talking about the monster of Miramichi, also known as Alan Lejar. He was a young boy who seemed almost destined to cause trouble with the law. Lejar was born February 13, 1948, into a poor family that lived in Chapman, New Brunswick. Lejar was eventually earned his title, the monster of Miramichi, after being hunted by the police for seven months around the Miramichi area, causing various horrible crimes. Young and curious, with no father figure, after he knew, never knew his real father, and his stepfather left at a very early age, he had little to no parental guidance other than his single mother. A demon was building inside of him. Sexual habits built up, and nothing good was coming from it. His habits were getting worse over time. He began to see his sisters in a more sexual way before going out into public and peeping on women in public restrooms. Before his first arrest for assault, his behavior continued to be poor, leading to radical religious beliefs to where he eventually ran into church with his shirt off, claiming he was the true path to get into heaven. Alan proceeded to tell people the only passage into heaven was to accept that he was their savior and claiming that he was the only path to God. Leisure was built larger than an average person. He was also proud of this strength and intimidating figure. This could have led him to believe that he could get away with anything. In 1970, this was proven wrong, after he almost carved off a man's face with a broken beer bottle and pulled a knife on police after they went to arrest him. This would only be a downward spiral for Lejar. In 1986, June 21st, Allen and two accomplices, Todd Machette and Scott Curtis, formed the scheme to rob a corner store. The store was run by an elderly couple, John and Mary Glendinen. The trio put their plan into motion, cutting the power before entering with guns aimed at the couple. Lejar believed there was a safe kept hidden. He demanded the couple tell him where it was. John wouldn't insist they didn't have one. Lejar, not given the answer he wanted, began to ruthlessly beat John. He was knocked unconscious, and due to the brutality that Lejar unleashed, he moved towards Mary. The trio continued beating upon Mary. She was badly beaten and raped by all three men. After the trio left the couple's store and distraught, Mary was barely able to crawl to a phone and call to the police. Alan Joseph Lejar was sentenced to life in prison. Although he'd already attempted to escape in the courtroom after picking the lock on his handcuffs, he was sent to a maximum security prison in Renews, New Brunswick. Unfortunately, he wouldn't be able to sit in jail very long. He had a devious plan to make an escape through a hospital. He would continuously stab a piece of metal into his ear to give him himself an ear infection. Due to the prison policy, he would have to be taken to the hospital to get treated. After arrival, he would get permission to go to the bathroom. An arrow was made by the staff to allow him to go alone. It can be seen that Leger was wanting to get out as he concealed a sharpened piece of metal in his rectum, which he used to pick the lock on his cuffs. He would use the same piece of metal as a weapon to prevent anyone from getting in his way. Due to the guards escorting him being unarmed, he had a simple getaway. In the parking lot, 
Alan continued his plan and adopted a woman named Peggy Olive, forcing her into a car and taking him away from the hospital. Alan was able to escape the police, and luckily for Peggy, she was released unharmed. Alan was no, now on the run from the police. While getting around trying to not get caught, he ended up killing four people, committing arson and sexual assault within seven months until he was arrested again. His first victims after escaping were two sister-in-laws, Annie and Nina Flam. Legere approached a grocery store owned by Annie Flam. The first person Ledger had seen upon entering the building. He ran at her and brutally beat her until her heart beat no more. The grocer was connected to an apartment where Annie's sister-in-law, Nina, had been in her room going to bed. Nina said that she heard frantic footsteps coming toward her, her room, and who she expected to be Annie was the monster of Miramichi. Nina did manage to escape and tell police, but not before receiving a beating and being raped by Legere. This time, in an attempt to hide his crimes, Legere had lit, a, had lit the store on fire. Alan would continue his murder streak after making his way to Newcastle and breaking into a home belonging to two sisters, Donna and Linda Downey. He would exit the house leaving it in a blaze, along with the beaten, raped, and murdered sisters. The bodies were found badly burned. However, little did Alan know that there was a forensics team in Ottawa testing his DNA. This would help investigators push more charges against Legere. Due to newfound evidence, they were able to link Legere to both Flam and Donnie cases. Police were finally closing in on Legere, and his chances of being innocent were little to none. Before they could ap apprehend him, Allen continued to his bru brutal reign upon a yet another victim. The morning of November 16th, people want went to their local church, but Father James Smith wasn't, was absent. With some beginning to worry, they searched for him at his own home. What they found was what looked to be outright from a horror movie. Father Smith had been beaten ruthlessly across his home. It looked to have started in the kitchen, with blood smeared all over the countertops, the floor, and his office. Where his body was found next to his safe, yet another attempt at robbery ended in a murder. After what happened to be after what appeared to look to be a long painful torturing. But unlike Legere's previous kills, there was no fire. Fortunately for the law, this left clues. There were large bloody footprints all over, and Father Smith's car had also gone missing. Police were able to track down the car in a parking lot of a motel with a pair of large bloody boots that were identical to the ones used at the crime scene. Only a week later, they've gotten another lead to Lejar after an anonymous phone call. A regular taxi driver was picking up a tall, well-built man. Unknowingly, that he, who he just picked up was Alan Lejar, armed with a gun aimed at the driver to make him go faster than what was safe for the road conditions. 
The driver lost control and hit the ditch. This didn't keep Leisure from keeping him at gunpoint and waving down another vehicle. The monster of Miramichi, now holding two people hostage, was still on the run. Eventually, the car needed gas. They stopped, and while Ledger was on his way in to pay, the two hostages started the car with a spare set of keys and took off. After they were far enough away to assume it was safe, they called the police and told them the last known location of the murderer. Alan Legere was caught by police trying to steal a truck. In October 1991, Lejar was sentenced to life in prison and was locked up in Quebec before being transported to Alberta in 2015. There, he will hopefully stay now at the age of 72 years old.